This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. That's Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. And so today, in part two of The Light of Christmas, I'm going to talk about that light that God sent in the form of his Messiah. And we've talked in part one that God is the source of light, and he's the one who brings light into darkness. So what we're going to find to begin with is just a little bit about the birth of Jesus. And so in Matthew 1, starting with the 18th verse, it says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So that's the beginning of the story and the miraculous birth of Jesus, who was born to a virgin woman, Mary, who was a Jew. He was born into a Jewish family. His mother and father, they were what's called betrothed to one another, which in order to be unbetrothed, you actually have to get divorced. But technically, they were not married as of yet. So Joseph didn't want to have a scandal on his hands. So he's thinking, well, if my wife is pregnant and I know I'm not the father, clearly I need to get divorced. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, no, this baby was really given to Mary through a movement of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is encouraged to continue with the marriage as he's going to have an important role in raising this son. Now we see just a little bit later, as we go into another place in Jesus' life, this is much later, when he actually appears before John the Baptist to be baptized by him. And what you have to understand is John the Baptist was in the wilderness. He was the forerunner of the Messiah, and he was calling all of the Jewish people to to come and to get themselves ready for the one that God was sending. Now, because Jesus was born Jewish and he was born under the law, he too had to fulfill everything pertaining to the law. So he presented 
and himself to also be baptized by John. So when this happened, it says in Matthew 3.16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I want to go back just a second or two, because these are two incidents in, in Jesus' life where we see it's stated that he's the one who was to come, and this is a special birth. Now, I want to go back to when he was a baby, and we're going to take a look at a couple of other things. As was the custom among the Jews, when you had a baby or a child, you had to, after a certain number of days, bring the child to the temple, and the child would have to, a sacrifice would have to be made uh, for the child at the temple. So Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple. Now, there were two people at the temple who had been waiting to see what God was going to do and what God had prophesied to them. One such person was a man named Simeon. So I'm going to read from Luke, the second chapter, starting in verse 25. And let's hear what Simeon saw and what he said. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So here we see that Simeon is in the temple. He's a devout man of God, a Jewish person. He lifts up this baby and he says to God, God had promised him He's an old man, but that he wouldn't die until he saw God's salvation and God's deliverance. And now he sees the child that's born to Mary, and he's thanking God for this light that's coming to bring revelation to the Gentiles and to be the glory of the people of Israel. Also in the temple, there was another person named Anna, who was a prophetess, Anna was a widow, and she was also very old, and she's in the temple day and night serving God with fasting and with prayer. She, too, has been looking for the work of the Lord. Verse 38 says, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So to all who were looking for redemption in Jerusalem, she pointed to this child who was brought to the temple by his mother and father, Mary 
and Joseph. Joseph being in this sense more like an earthly guardian father because he was not the biological father then of Jesus. These are, again, just a couple of other pieces of what was going on in bringing this light of Christmas into the world. And for those who don't know, Christ is actually the Greek word that means Messiah, and Messiah would be the Hebrew version of the same word. So as we look at all of this, we just want to remember a few things that Jesus actually said and that were also said about him. So we're going to take a look at John, the first chapter and the first verse, and it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we find in these verses that the word word is actually capitalized, and it's one of the names that's used for Jesus. And what we see in these verses, he didn't just begin at the time of his birth or incarnation on earth, He was always from the beginning with God, and he was that word of God right from the beginning. And we see here, he was the light that's shining in darkness. And many people did not understand that light. They didn't understand him as the light, his reason or purpose for coming. In John 8, 12, Jesus speaks about himself, and he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. All right, so we'll take a look now at John 8, and we drop down to about verse 54. And Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees and other leaders of the Jewish people. And he says to them, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So we see then that so far we find that Jesus is born a very supernatural birth. We find that he's brought to the temple and those who have been praying to God and watching for God's deliverer recognize him and say so to his parents and those around him. We see that He's identified with the beginning and being called the Word of God. And now he's saying he was even in existence before Abraham, who at this point has long been deceased. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. And we know that for the Jewish people, I am is a reference to God. So then later, 
Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount, and he's speaking and he says to the people, he says in Matthew 5, starting in 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And this is really an important component where Jesus is saying he's not coming to destroy the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, he is the one that's now reconciling all of us, Jew and Gentile, back to the Father. And so that brings us to Galatians 3, starting with the 26th verse. Then we begin to understand that promise that God made to Abraham, because it says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the bottom line is that the promise is really a spiritual promise, and it's a promise about having faith in God and the ones that he would send and the light that he reveals. And so when we think about being the light of the world, we know that Jesus said he was the light of the world, and all those who believe in God's Messiah receive his light and also receive his Holy Spirit, which is the power that we need to live this life on earth. So when I think about the workplace and think about our calling there, with the light that we have from God and with the Holy Spirit that we have from God, we are equipped then to minister to those around us. And that means in your workplace, there may be many people who have lost loved ones, maybe during the holiday season, those who are mourning, those who are grieving. And we are sent, as 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 7 says, we are sent then to comfort those who are grieving. And we comfort them with the comfort that we ourselves have received. We're also there because there are many who are in pain and many who have other kinds of suffering. We are there to let them know about that peace that passes all understanding. So if we take a look at Philippians 4, starting with verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So many times we may need to pray for people in the workplace, encourage them with a word that there is a peace 
that transcends human understanding so that even though we may be in a storm externally, the peace that's inside actually covers us. And we we are able to weather that storm and go through it totally calm and in peace. Sometimes we're in the workplace too because we have wisdom and revelation from God through his word for guidance and for direction in many things. Perhaps in the business, people are trying to decide what to do next, which way to go. And we know from even our forefather, King David, in Psalm 119, he talks about in Psalm 119, 105, he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He also says in Psalm 119, 11, thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in Psalm 119, 98 through 104, he talks about how the word of God has made him wiser than his enemies and even wiser than his teachers and people who are much older than him. So there are times we have God's wisdom to bring to bear on a difficult situation and difficult choices. So I say to those of you who receive the light of Christmas that God has sent, remember that you too are the light of the world, and he desires to shine through you, shine through darkness that may even show up in our workplaces, and to bring the light even to those places. So you are here for a reason and a purpose. Merry Christmas and enjoy the light of Christmas. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.